Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. T. Higgins straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a T.D. Welcome to episode 124 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Uh, I hope everyone is keeping well and uh, keeping up to date because um, the free agency period might have slackened off a bit, but the Bengals are still making moves and um, it's uh, you have to be on it to keep up with all the, the bits and pieces, don't you? Um, We'll be discussing that. We'll also be paying tribute to AJ Green uh, in this uh, episode. And um, uh, with me to do that is uh, my partner in crime, Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Good afternoon, my son. What a whirlwind of free agency this has been. I think we've always in the past had a bit of a critique of the Bengals free agency approach. that They don't do a whole lot. You know, certainly don't sign particularly um flashy free agents or in any sort of abundance but here we are today i've had to scribble them all down on a piece of paper there's too many for my small brain to remember so what well, a it, crazy it, last two weeks it is isn't it because um the, you know the team has often been criticized for not kind of being an active participant in free agency when when they do pick up free agents but not to this level i don't think and we got a taste of it last year with some big name uh, signing, or certainly big money signings in DJ Iridium and Trey Waynes. The money's not been so big this year, but it's been more quantity, and I won't say rather than quality, but the quantity is there. And, of course, they did have a lot of holes to fill. There were a lot of free agent gaps um, uh, that needed to be filled, and, they, and they're going out and filling them, aren't they? Blimey, they're like polyfiller, this team, in this <laughs> off-season. It's crazy. It is indeed. And I mean, they really have gone outside the organization. And as you said, there's a lot of gaps to fill. There's a lot of guys on the roster that, you know, are currently unsigned. A lot of guys that have signed elsewhere in the last week from when we last recorded the podcast. People like Alex Erickson and um, obviously the, the very high profile AJ Green going on to Arizona. So a lot of guys that were here um, before that we've got to replace. And it's going to be interesting to see how these guys integrate into the team. And obviously we'll discuss each individual signing in a bit more detail. Um, yes, on the show. as we mentioned earlier, um, we, we're we going to be paying tribute to AJ Green and coming on uh, a bit later is Jeff Hobson, uh, who's going to talk about AJ Green and a bit about Gino, of course, because uh, Gino has now gone, or has he? Um, I don't know, I've got this feeling, Nathan, that he's going to be brought back. It could be like another Michael Johnson deal here where he gets cut and he's brought back at a far cheaper rate and i i don't base that on anything partic- in particular but uh, apart from you know the bengals rolled out a really lovely tribute video to aj green um more or less as soon as uh, uh as soon as he'd he'd left really and had signed for the cardinals there's been nothing for gino at all and there's been nothing on gino's social channels either 
And I just do wonder, it just makes me think that, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to bring it back at a, a much reduced rate, which I think most would be in favour of, because obviously he was a, a non-factor last year with his injured shoulder. Um, but before that, in training camp, by all accounts, he was the Gino of old, uh, or at least he, he looked good in training camp. Um, uh, so, yeah, I do wonder. And they could do with some, still, some pass rush sizzle. Am I am I mad to think that? No, I think you're bang on the money, son. I think that if the money was right, you everyone would love Geno Atkins back. I think it was hard. I think what he was on before and what his contract was staying before was huge money. He would have been one of the highest played um, highest paid players on the team. And I think considering his conditioning and considering that um, his level of production in the last couple of years, it probably wouldn't warrant that. I think he's about 33 as well or something like that, Gino. So I think at a sensible one-year deal, uh, maybe even a two-year deal, who knows? But I think it would make complete sense. I mean, you do think on the Bengals' defensive line, um, Mike Daniels is yet to be re-signed. Christian Covington is yet to be re-signed. Gino obviously has departed. Now, we've brought in... Larry Ogunjobi from the Cleveland Browns, good little signing for some, you know, add some, um, add some depth and add some vigor to the position. But that defensive line, the interior part of it, is pretty thin. You've got Ogunjobi and um, DJ Reader, who obviously is coming back from an injury, and behind that, the only player of note is Josh Tupu, who sat out last year because of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, it's a very thin position. Group. And Renell Wren should be back as well. Yes, uh, Renault but, and, yeah. Of but, course, but we don't know what he is because he's just basically been injured, the poor guy, you know what I mean? So we don't know yeah. what Renault Ren's going to be like. Exactly, and it's a thin position group and not one that you're probably looking, certainly based on most of the mock drafts I'm seeing, that you're looking to address um, in the first one or two rounds. So, again, if you look at the team, you if you know, DJ Reed is your stud muffin up the front. You know, he's the geezer that's going <laughs> to have to cause stud havoc muffin. and... He's the guy that's going to have to sort of do the dirty work and really sort of muck in. But you're relying a lot on him because Josh Tupu, in the season before last when he did play, stepped his game up a bit. But he's not played for a year. And he was never by any means like a dominant tackle, mostly a rotational piece. So I do think a a healthy Geno Atkins removed from any shoulder issues would be a fantastic I mean weird to say this with Gino you don't put depth and Gino Atkins in the same sentence very often but he would be a great depth piece there um to to flesh out the unit and obviously he's a great leader he's a guy that's been around the team for a long time he's a great person for people to learn from so if the money was right I would love to have him back but I think we all knew at the sort of cap hit that he was um, he was going to have for the team. It didn't make a lot of sense. Mm. Um, it was probably a fairly sensible move from the Bengals. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I mean, they do kick Sam Hubbard inside on on pass rushing downs a little bit. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if they could get Gino back at a much more reduced rate, that would be great. And you mentioned that he's 33 year old. That shouldn't stop them because apparently today, uh, on Monday the 24th of March. Um, they bought it, or they are bringing in Ryan Kerrigan, another 33-year-old uh, guy, uh, a defensive end uh, who's known for playing in Washington and a very good player and still got some juice. 
I think that would be great if they get could get hold of him on a one-year deal or even, you know, we'll see how we go. But uh, I think it would be great. Um, so, you know, again, lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth because we haven't signed this and we haven't signed that. But it is a long game, free agency, once that first and second wave is over. So it, patience is the virtue here. And they've been picking up some interesting pieces. You know, they've they've again bolstered their secondary by um, by picking off <laughs> Eli Apple, uh, uh, who most recently played in Carolina, but played for the Saints and the Giants. Has history with Lou, and uh, also today uh, it's rumored that uh, they're going to be signing the former Falcons safety, Ricardo Allen. Uh, and suddenly... Solid handle. Well, it is, isn't it? Um, and suddenly the the secondary has been absolutely remodelled, retooled, and I don't think anyone in this world would have predicted that, really. I mean, they were poor in the secondary last year, but, you know, since Jackson's gone, they've they've added uh, Chidabe, Awizier... Uh, Trey Wayne. Yeah, you say it. Apparently, yeah. Um, Chidobe Awuzie. Yeah, uh, I think that pronunciation may waver from time to time, depending on how many beers we drink during the uh, the podcast. <laughs> um, but then Trey Wayne's is coming back. Obviously, you've got Bates and Bell, but you've got Mike Hilton, the new slot. You've got Eli Apple, and now you've got Ricardo Allen. I, I think Ricardo Allen is a straight replacement for sean williams who was a free agent you yeah know? so uh, i don't I, the depth there is much better the quality is yet to be seen but certainly the depth and that was a real problem last year the depth is there yeah absolutely i mean it's a completely remarkable transformation in that secondary because obviously trey waynes didn't play last year so having him come back and he in himself is almost like a free agent signing mm. and as you said you've got all of these new guys, I mean, pretty much the entire starting cornerback, the top four, really. I mean, you probably, I mean, Darius Phillips is going to probably tweet out something cryptic oh, yes. after I've even Poor old Darius. Name. We're going to but be like, doing a did he Darius been... at some point in the near future, I think, aren't we? I mean, the, the guy, I mean, I think he's a decent player. And, uh, you know, suddenly he's now battling for third and uh, spot on uh, in that cornerback room. Do you know what I mean? And Yeah. Well, it's just a completely new room, though, isn't it? With Waynes obviously coming back into the fold and actually playing. Chidobe Awuzie <laughs> yeah. obviously coming in and, you know, he's just, he's just sort of got a good experience and is going to come in and get some snaps. Obviously, Hilton is your slot guy, as you mentioned. Eli Apple is going to battle for some... Um, some sort of backup snaps, and it's just a completely new unit. I mean, you've obviously got Mackenzie Alexander's not coming back at this point, which I, I was quite surprised by, really, because I thought he played fairly well in patches, mm -hmm. but obviously the Bengals wanted to move in a different direction, and obviously William Jackson moving on as well. So it is a completely remade, retooled unit, and I think the whole free agency... Um, process has surprised me a bit because in the past the Bengals were very good at getting their own back and they'd almost you know add by add little rotational pieces to sort of go with what they already had when they drafted well and yeah. naturally I would have thought William Jackson would have come back Carl Lawson would have come back people like Quinton Spain who have already come back that was sort of predictable and you thought they'd get some of these guys in and sign a few pieces here and there, you know, like an Eli Apple maybe to sort of come in and compete for sort of a rotational job but 
it's been really surprising the sheer amount and obviously you know potentially more people to come with guys like ryan kerrigan as you mentioned earlier that's probably the most upheaval we've had as a team in the 15 years that i've been a fan of players yeah. all coming and play as well these aren't just guys that are going to be battling for a roster uh, roster spot eli apple will make the team ricardo allen i think will make the team um chidobe awusia will make the team um there's a lot of guys that are getting you know obviously riley ref's going to make the team there's a lot of guys that are going to be playing this year that are new to the club mm. so it's going to be a big challenge for this coaching staff to immerse them into the locker room, get them up to speed, you know, learning the system, meeting their teammates, building up that chemistry in the locker room. Um, some talented guys, certainly some experienced guys. Um, I just hope it can translate and they're motivated and they're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And I think you think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I've never seen anything like it in all my life, Nathan. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I don't know whether I'm shitting or pissing. I, I think it's <laughs> it's exciting, though, all this influx of new players. But, the, the you know, the proof of the pudding, as ever, is in the eating. And I quite like eating pudding. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Um, whether this, Well, let's just talk about the offensive line because everyone thought they're going to be retooling that mother. Um, uh, that was the position group that was going to see the most overhaul. And uh, basically, we've re-signed Quinton Spain, which I think is a good move. I quite like him. And to be fair to Quinton, I really hope they just stick him at a guard position and leave him there for the season. You know, don't throw him in at tackle. Don't move him up and down the line. Just get him into a right or left guard spot. and Get him in. Get him in. Get the lad in and let him play. You know what I mean? Because I think he was okay last He did a good job. But we're basically starting the the, the two guards, uh, Quentin Spain and Xavier Surfilo, um They're basically the same that we ended up with at the end of last year, which, yeah, not yeah, you know, um, it's not like it's not exciting, is it? It's not the overhaul that we wanted. But I think the crucial piece there is Riley Reef. That's the guy that's going to make a difference. I really do think that. Yeah, I, I think on the interior side of the line, you're talking about Suofilo and Spain. That line changed so much last year. I mean, it was every week it was different. You were throwing guys yeah, in absolutely. at all different positions. And I think it did improve towards the back end of the year. And Xavier Suofilo was unavailable for a whole chunk of last year. Quinton Spain came in mid-season and, as you said, was played all over the shop. And I think, actually, if you give Xavier Suofilo and Quinton Spain some time, they're healthy, they, you know, gel up a bit of a bit of chemistry with whoever's playing centre, be it Billy Price or Trey Hopkins. They're not they're not bad players. My my worry would be that they're not great players and also behind them you're back to Michael Jordan, you're back to trying to plug Fred jo uh, someone like Fred Johnson in to play guard, Hakeem Adenogy. I don't I just don't I think Fred showed last year he cannot play guard. I just yeah. don't think and I think, you know, <laughs> I don't think they're going to sign anyone else on that offensive line this off-season. I know people are screaming for Trey Turner. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they've settled on a, 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 an average, a competent guard tandem. They've got their tackles now sorted out. And now I think they think that that takes the pressure off of them in the draft. I just do not think that uh, they're going to sign anyone else in that offensive line room. 
No, I, I fully agree with you. I wouldn't rule out potentially someone like, I know, was it Nick Eason or they were interested in? I hope from not. Saints. He's a backup though, man. Well, that's what I mean. And he's not going to be someone that's going to necessarily come in and sort of tear everything up. So probably not going to be someone like him, but he maybe is what they're looking for. I don't think they're going to bring in Trey Turner. They've committed a lot of money, I think, in free agency already. They certainly could spend money and get someone like Trey Turner in, but I don't see it. And as our special guest um, recently wrote, I think, on Bengals.com, he very much alluded to the fact that they felt fairly comfortable with Quinton Spain and Xavier Suofilo as a starting combination, which, again, I think he's okay. I just really am concerned with depth because Michael Jordan is not good enough. Hakeem Adenergy's unproven. Fred Johnson wasn't good enough last year. And I just think that you're skating on thin ice if any of those guys get hurt. Obviously, we've got the NFL draft. If you, if you bring in a guy like Wyatt Davis from Ohio State in the, sec- you know, in the second round, potentially, then you've got some a quality option there. But you're kind of leaving yourself in a bit of a position because the one position, and we'll probably come on to this, that I think is absolutely completely as thin as it gets that they haven't addressed in free agency and they, well, I mean, they could address in the draft is wide receiver. You've lost AJ mm-hmm. Green. You've lost John Ross. You've lost Alex Erickson in the last week. Now, all three of those guys have played parts in this offense over the last couple of years. And that's a lot of people to lose. Um, they thought everyone, you know, was pointing to all oh, Josh Reynolds might be a guy that could come in in free agency. He's gone. Obviously last, uh, last week we were frothing at the mouth, at the potential of Kenny Golladay coming in. I mean, in. I even sung a song about Golladay, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> it didn't convince him, though, son, did it? Well, if you heard it, you'd probably realise why. But um, <laughs> anyway, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? That whole Golladay thing last week was quite a bit of fun. But it is dang- I do think it's dangerous because you get so into the whole idea of one player coming. You pin all your hopes on this guy. And then when he doesn't, it's kind of, oh, the Bengals are rubbish, they don't pay and blah 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 but that you know that was always a 50 50 shot to nothing signing i thought but someone like uh demarcus robinson is still out there who i quite like actually but um but you're right he's no aj green is he um i I just think that if they don't get a wide receiver or an offensive lineman in free agency to finish it off certainly a decent one long term you're a bit thin going into the draft because if you choose to go to jamar chase at five that's fantastic. All of a sudden, the wide receiver room with Chase Higgins and Boyd is fantastic. Mike Thomas can be your number four guy. Then you've got people like Stanley Morgan, Scotty Washington. Alden like Tate that. as well. Yeah, Alden Tate as well. That's fine. As a room, you'd say, right, yep, yeah, that's cool. No worries. But uh, then at tackle, it starts to feel a bit thin because long term. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I agree. Because Riley, Riley if, Ref's only on a one year deal, remember? Yeah, so and he's, yeah, I he's agree. once the, after next year. Who have you got playing tackle? You got Jonah Williams, which is why I think they will draft a tackle in this year's draft. And either yeah. not necess- if it's Penaisal, great. Uh, if it's uh, Slater, great. Uh, also, I think, you know, Leatherwood and Cosme are worth looking yeah. at, you know. Dylan so there Radners, are, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, there's options there. And I do think I do think they will draft two linemen, and I do think they're going to be drafting uh, a wide receiver or two. I'd quite like a, l- a little sort of gadgety wide receiver to take the place of Ericsson. Um, but I'd also like a, a proper outside guy, like, you know, Chase would be great. 
you know, even even his LSU teammate Terrace Marshall, you know, would be great in the or Tylen Wallace. I'm quite big on. So there are options in those first two, three rounds, and of course we get an extra uh, fourth round pick, all being well. So uh, because of Carl Lawson's um, exit. not in this year's draft though. All right, okay. Um, so I do think they've sort of showed their hand a little bit by not signing a wide receiver and not signing a top level, even though Riley Reef, I think, is actually, you know, top tier. But um certainly in the guard position, you know, I, I believe that Frank Pollack is uh at the USC Pro Day today where Elijah Vera Tucker uh, mm. will be showing off his bulky bulky beautifulness um there. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd be quite happy with Vera Tucker if we decided to trade down in the first round towards the, you know, 15 to 20 spot. He's going to be there and he's arguably the best. Well, he is. He's the best guard in this draft. And I, the film that I've seen, he looks perhaps a step down from Quinton Nelson, but he's got some nasty nasty things going on there which I think we need so <laughs> the Bengals have got options but I think by the looks of it they're like right we're going to go offence in the draft now really I think yeah I mean it's good I think the one thing the Bengals are in a good, uh, fortunate position is they're drafting at number five and you've got four people before and you can almost guarantee the Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville number one so even if the Bengals look quite obvious that they do really need to go wide receiver or offensive line, that's kind of fine because again, there's not going to be. I, it's going to be. I think it's going to be very, very unlikely that the Bengals are sat there at five and um, Jamar Chase and Penaisal off the board. I think it's possible, but I think it's very unlikely. And I think if one of the other is off the board, you take the other one. Um, if they're both off the board, then. I think you'd almost be – I think you'll get some serious trade offers because if they've both gone, there's going to be at least one or two of the quarterbacks that would be predicted to go before them available. And I think you're going to get calls from people like um, maybe like Denver or whoever else coming in from above. New England – yeah, New England maybe that are going to want to trade up and get one of those quarterbacks. So I think that the Bengals – could certainly move back if that was the case, but I think they're okay to be, I think they're in a very good position actually at five. I think they're going to get a lot of calls coming in for people looking to move up. Um, and there's obviously some fantastic players that are going to be sat there ready for them to take. And Panay Saw will be a dream pick at five. He's exactly the sort of player we need. He's got tons of potential. He's a very, very exciting prospect. And, and also, obviously a lot of Chase, Sorry from to... a branding perspective, he's played with Burrow mm, before. Mm. He's a young lad. He's got the speed. I mean, he would be an absolutely thrilling pick um to have to pair alongside Joe Burrow, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon as an offense. So either way, if one of those two guys are on the Bengals next year, I think we're all going to be very happy. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? Without getting too ahead of ourselves and and kind of ruining all our draft coverage, which is coming up in the next few weeks, we've got a British <laughs> Bengals uh draft panel coming up as we normally do uh, every year. We've got uh, some new faces to for that this year, which is exciting. We've got Joe Goodbury coming up, coming out of retirement to join us. Very good of Joe. And we've got Dave Lapham as well. So all that to look forward to in the coming weeks. But um, I think, I mean, really, I think whoever, if we do draft at five, whoever we get there is going to be a good player and is going to be uh, a difference maker 
you know, whether it's Saul, whether it's Chase, whether it's Pitts. Uh, I'm coming around to the idea of Carl. It'd be outrageous, wouldn't it? I'm coming around to the idea, actually. I am coming around to the idea. But really, um, you know, Chase Pitts or, or Saul would be great. Even a Devonta Smith or, or, or Jalen Waddle would be great. I'm not quite sure whether they're going to go as high as that, really. Um, they're slight gambles, aren't they? I think yeah. Waddle was injured and he's quite... I think both him and Smith are quite on the undersized sort of full receivers, but obviously absolutely rapid, dynamic playmakers. Hmm. Um, a lot of people have Waddle as the number one guy. I mean, there's not necessarily the consensus, but if quite a few people do have him down as the number one wide receiver but um yeah i think probably more people have chased but it's an exciting group for sure okay here's a question i think i asked it to you last week um are the bengals a better team now today at this moment this very second uh are they better than they were last year i think they're exactly the same right okay i think they're slightly better um i think riley reeve's going to make a big difference i think Mike Hilton is going to make a big difference. Uh, I think we're going to get a little bit more production out of Ogan Joby than we did with Gino. Uh, and I do think if if Ryan Kerrigan signs, actually that's not on this second. Is actually that's like tomorrow if he signs. If if we sign Kerrigan, that will make a difference as well. So I think we're a little bit better. I think it's really hard. I think Carl Lawson and William Jackson are better players than anyone we've signed, but I think we've got more depth than we had, certainly at somewhere like Corner. Um, I think Riley Ref is a definite upgrade. He's the one-end player that's a massive upgrade over Bobby Hart. And it's, you know, we haven't even talked about Bobby Hart, obviously gone. You know, he's out of action now, um, as a lot of Bengals fans have been wanting for a long time. And I think Riley Ref is a massive upgrade. I think... Other than that, I'm not sold on Hendrickson, certainly when you compare him to Lawson. I think Hendrickson would be a decent player for us. But like I said last week, I would have loved him in addition to Carl Lawson rather than a replacement for. Um, So I don't think we've got any better there. I think the cornerback position for depth, yes, we've got better. I don't think any of those guys are as good as William Jackson. But, you know, collectively they'll help and obviously not expose us to people like LeSean Sims having to play a lot of time. (laughs) Poor old LeSean. (laughs) <laughs> Larry Ogunjobi's a good player I th- I mean, it's, it's difficult to say whether he was better than Gino Atkins last year because Gino really wasn't right at any point even when he did but, but that's my point he was better because Gino just wasn't the races last year so we didn't have yeah. anything there uh, God, yeah. you know God bless Mike Daniels Christian Covington and Xavier Williams but you know they, they tried really hard but I think Ogunjobi's better than all of them really um I don't know. Yeah, I mean, guys like I mean, guys like <coughs> Eli Apple, you know, he's a bit of a rotational player. Has never really lived up to the hype. Ricardo Allen's a bit of a been around the league for a long time. Again, got some experience, sort of a direct replacement for Sean Williams. Um, Spain, obviously, we had on the team at the back end. I think uh, you know, an off season with the club and a full season ahead of him will do him some good, and we'll see the best of him hopefully. So I, I don't think there's any real arguments that we've got worse. Um, but you, we have lost, and we have lost our best pass rusher and our best corner and replaced them with stronger depth, mm. which is interesting. I think that's really what's hurt us the last couple of seasons is you've lost the guys that are your starters 
and you've just been, sh- you know, you've had to rely on fumes a little bit. And I think that was like last year. You went into the season with DJ Reader and Gino Atkins. And to me, I was like so excited to see those two play together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cod, blimey, like, you know, you've got a guy, a potential Hall of Famer in Gino Atkins and a young stud muffin there. I get it in for the second time in <laughs> DJ Reader. And you think, oh, blimey, there's like two like supercars paired against each other, like a Ferrari and a Maserati just sat next to each other in the centre of your line. <laughs> I know, right. And the, the harsh reality was is that you ended up with Xavier Williams um, and Christian Covington. Which it was basically like a, a Vauxhall a Corsa. Like a Ford and a Volvo. So yeah, it was a Volvo and a Vauxhall Corsa from 1986. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's, that's... I think you're bang up to date. You know, things will change, although... although uh, the process is starting to slow down a bit and we're starting to crank up for the draft now. I think they will add one or two pieces. Linebacker's quite an interesting position, I think. Might need a little bit of yeah. help as well if they don't sign Josh Bynes. Um, that, you're right there because that's paper thin without Josh Bynes. You've got Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaith. There's some talented young players. Uh, I still think Jermaine Pratt desperately needs to take a step, uh, step forward. Logan yeah, Wilson, yeah. the standout. Akeem Davis-Gaith have played okay last year. Obviously, you've got our ch- uh, chum that was on this podcast, Marcus Bay. Yeah, it'd be he, great to see him he's take a, a step. He's obviously coming back from some injuries, seventh-round pick. You can't expect the world from him. That's it. Yeah. So I'd say not... bring back Hardy Nickerson. Yeah, I mean, that's not... I'm joking, I am That's joking. not going to solve a lot. But, yeah. you know, your your friend um, Jordan Evans is gone. Jordan Evans! Oh, no. So that's true. I, I do think there's got to be a guy that's going to come in there in free agency, surely, because otherwise, you know, if that's not going to be a position that's probably going to be addressed until round three or later... You're, well, I mean, you're, you're so thin there, aren't you? So I think yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely potential for a... I mean, the Bengals love a veteran linebacker coming in, didn't they? Carlos they did Dansby, who was 60, yeah, 63 James when he's... Harrison, like... All in their know. 60s when they signed for us. It's terrible. Who is that geezer? Manny Lawson, was it? Yes, that's right, yeah. We like a Lawson, don't we, over in... Uh... Um, okay, well, that's that's you're more or less up to date. Uh, things, lots of moving parts. Uh, Hugh, Hube is back. Kevin Huber, how could we forget on, Hubes? He's back. That was a relief, wouldn't it? Or else we're not going to yeah. go into. I know the fashion these days is to go for it on fourth down, but uh, we still need punters. And Kev had his best year last year. So uh, Kev and uh, Clark Harris are back in the special teams room. But, 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 but. Go on. Randy Bullock gone. Bullock has gone. He's gone to Detroit. Uh, Shocked by that, I was. Well, I wasn't really, to be honest. Um, I thought he played all right. I think he honestly did. He had some bad misses last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but I think he's actually... I mean, you look at his stats and his... You know, how many hold kicks on, hold he Hold on, hold on, hold on. I never thought in a million years that I would listen to you, Nathan Palmer, defend <laughs> Randy Bullock. I will never tell you that Randy Bullock is a quality kicker. He's not a top half kicker, but I actually do think he played fairly well. Obviously, the oh, I, I mean, he's he never was... good in. I think he's never one of those players. I've said it before. That's going to probably be the guy you want to be kicking. You know, with five seconds left to go in a playoff game. But in terms of the easy kicks and the ones that don't matter, he's great at those, and his actual completion percentage is fantastic. He did so... have a roller coaster. He, he smashed in a fifty-seven yarder last. Well, yeah, yeah, but then he missed. So I mean that. Chargers game early doors. Oh, that was, was that was an uh, he missed shocker. another couple of 
extra points and short field goals. I don't know. I just get shot with him. I think just get shot. Anyway, you're up to date with the roster stuff, but we have to take a bit of time to show some appreciation to AJ Green. And um, it's weird uh, because he's been such a huge part of the team and a huge reason why a lot of fans started to support the Bengals. He's, he's that kind of influential uh, player. So here's our little tribute to AJ Green. It's a new, the free agency. Looking for the long ball. And the man is there. Green has it for the touchdown. Dalton with the long strike. And here's the play action fake. Dalton steps up away from the pressure and he goes deep. Green is down there. Oh, he caught it. Give him a chance. And it's catch it, it's incomplete, or you draw a penalty a lot of times too. So first and ten. Look at the green, and he makes the basket catch inside. How about another 43 yards, Phil? His second catch of plus 40 for tonight. Out route to try to get in field goal range. Looks like they're going to go deep. Dalton to the end zone, down the field, and it is deflected and caught. Touchdown, AJ Green. Keep him away. Three Browns. They're trying to. There's four, five Browns, three Bengals. A.J. Green pulls it down. That's incredible concentration. Three guys hanging on him, and he still manages to keep his eye on that ball, keep his poise, and pull it in. Go. Dalton taking a deep shot on first down, down the sideline. One-handed catch, A.J. Green! And a catch. Yeah, that's the analysis I was going to come up with, too. I got, really? Unbelievable. Look at the field. Play action on first down. Dalton looking for Green. And A.J. Green makes the catch. A spectacular catch. And hold. But look at the concentration, the eyes of A.J. Green. How about hitting one right now? Going deep for Green. Three guys there. A.J.'s there. Take all those offensive line. He was going to get some time again this week. And a long pass for A.J. Green. He's wide open inside the 20-yard line, and he's going to go. The Bills. Pressure. Pressure is coming. The pass completes A.J. Green. Inside the 20-yard line, he'll be tough to catch. He's dragged out from behind. And Dalton's pass is caught by Green. Here he goes, A.J. Green for the touchdown. No flags are down, and the Bengals take the lead. So far today. Dalton. Oh, A.J. Green going up to get it with the feet in. Yes. He's up. You're going to see the left foot come down. He clearly has the ball and drags the right toe. He's good. He's sideways. He's done that today. Dalton, deep shot, looking for A.J. Green. Green has got it! Touchdown! What a play! Dalton to Green! Fake to Bernard. Good block by the tight end. And downfield they go. They're looking for Green. On the six-foot-four, A.J. Green. Not able to get both feet in bounds. Dalton. End zone again, sliding, catching the end zone for the touchdown by A.J. Green. 
So some fond memories there from AJ Green. Uh, you, you know, you can you can rattle off a huge uh, list of fantastic players, and he leaves us with 646 receptions, 9,430 yards, uh, a 14.5 yard average, uh, 65 touchdowns, and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a one, isn't it? And uh, it was drafted in 2011, obviously. Uh, he's uh, He was a Pro Bowl for the first uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years of his, uh, of his career, which is extraordinary, I think, from rookie right through to 2017. And, of course, uh, he had those injuries which limited him in the past couple of seasons. Um what a player and I don't think you almost got so used to AJ making great plays um uh I don't know whether we took him for granted or not I certainly didn't but he was just a really special player and uh, I, I can't I mean, it was just, I mean I'm really pleased that we I lived in a lifetime uh that was able to watch AJ Green you know mm. some fans aren't that lucky really and um he he was a really special player, but I think if you ask anyone what why he was so special, he didn't really he didn't really excel at one thing. Is in particular he didn't have blind he was quick, but he didn't have blinding speed. He he wasn't uh, you know his route running was really good, um, but he wasn't he didn't have the quick feet of say a Chad Johnson for instance. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just thought he was just really good at everything, and his his nature was that that it didn't demand uh, kind of lots of fireworks and banner. He just did the job, and occasionally there was a knock on him that he used to drop important passes at, at crucial times. But for ninety nine, ninety eight percent of the time, he was just. I think the word I would describe AJ Green. Uh, as is immaculate. I just thought he was an immaculate-looking athlete. He was an absolute thoroughbred. Um, everything about him was polished and and just very good. Do you know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, he was the one thing that just stands out to me as a guy. And this is always the thing when you've watched a player for ten years. You know, the guy that's mm. been a focal part of your team for that long, a whole virtually a decade. 9,430 yards. I mean, that's just an extraordinary um, amount of yards built up over those seasons. And he was just unbelievably consistent. And he was one of the rare rare wide receivers that came into the league in year one when the Bengals were, like, not fancied at all. Carson Palmer had quit on us. Um, We had Andy Dalton as a rookie. And he just comes in in year one, puts up a 1,000-yard season. He averaged 16.3 yards a catch in that year. Mm. And you just thought to yourself, obviously, losing someone like a Chad Johnson and, you know, really lacking that deep threat. I mean, we were talking in the past before he was there of, like, Armand Bins being our number one receiver and starting. And you just get a guy, like you said, like AJ Green, straight out of Georgia, comes in, does over a 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, you know, seven catches in his first season for 40 yards or more. And it was just electric. And the two of them just linked up, him and Andy Dalton just linked up, took us to the playoffs. And the next couple of seasons after that, 1350 yards, 1426. He was phenomenal. 11 touchdowns in both years. And for that five, six, seven year period, 
from 2011 to 2017, he was dominant. He was just short of being an all-pro, but he was fantastic. And you kind of felt in 2017, what's going to stop this guy? Because he didn't miss hardly any games. Mm. You know, people used to say, oh, you know, obviously the knock on him now is his, his durability and can he play? But from 2011, 2017, I don't think he missed more than about five or six games. Mm. You know, that's why he was so consistently able to put up those thousand yards every, almost every season, apart from 2016 when he fell short by about 40 or 50. So incredible player, just gutting that we couldn't have gone further with him. Um, you look at some of the guys on the team and that were in those teams now, and you think Geno Atkins, potential Hall of Famer, AJ Green, potential Hall of Famer. There's some fantastic players there. Andrew Whitworth, when he was with us, certainly mm -hmm. he probably will go to the Hall of Fame. And you think, God damn, we couldn't have, you know, we just couldn't get there with those guys. And I think the weird thing, just to sort of my final thing on AJ was, it feels weird saying goodbye to him. It almost feels like someone that you've, not that it's been in the books for a long time, but since that 2017 season, across the last three, he didn't play, obviously, the back end of the 2018 season. Um, he missed that. He missed the entire 2019 season. And then he had a very, very, I don't even know what to call it, really, ugly or just wildly uninspiring last season with us he just couldn't create any separation only got two touchdowns they were desperately trying to get the ball to him weren't they in that last game just as a game mm. to break the the record from is it chris collingsworth that holds it yeah um and he couldn't do it and it just felt like god this guy's such a shadow of his former self. And it's not even like he's sort of well up into the thirties and he's, you know, he's like, like sort of really like an old knackered horse. He's only 32 years old. He, you think he'd have another couple of years. And interestingly, obviously he's going over to Arizona to sort of pair up with Larry Fitzgerald. Who's just going to be one of those guys that just keeps doing it year after year. And it'd be interesting to see if he's got more juice in the tank, um, with Kyler Murray thrown to him. But yeah. An incredible professional, obviously gutting that the last couple of years here were a bit lackluster and, you know, that has just felt like a sort of impending separation, I guess. But a very, very incredible professional. And I think all Bengals fans that have been supporting the team for the past 10 years or more will all vouch for just what an incredible guy, player and athlete. Right, before we bring Uncle Jeff in, uh, as long-time uh, listeners will know, uh, we do like to uh, pay tribute to our favourite players when they when they leave or they've done something incredible uh, by singing a song for them. And we have got an AJ Green tribute song, so here it is. Since before my first game After I stepped down from the train And there to meet me was Marvin and Mike And down the banks I looked and there ran Andy Gleaming smile and Sandy, it's good to be the AJ Green of home. Yes, the fans, they all came out to meet me, arms reaching, smiling sweetly. 
Lee It's good to be the A.J. Green home And up I went racking up yards And catching Hail Marys Against the Browns and the Ravens I love and when I played the Jags and Jalen Ramsey, he took shit, so I got handsy and I punched him until I got home. And then I wake and look around me. At the London gloom that surrounds me And I realize, yes I'm playing at Wembley Stadium For all these fans singing my name in the tailgate On and on they drank at the Admiralty It's good to be the A.J. Green at home After I play my final game I'll go to the Hall of Fame As they cheer me The A.J. Green of There we go. There's our tribute uh, song to AJ Green, the AJ Green of Home. Obviously, uh, a version of uh, the Green Green Grass of Home. And to enjoy that, Nathan. Right. Absolutely. I just the thing that I don't understand, son. Go on. Why have the Bengals? I mean this. Yeah. How have they not got in touch with you and said, "Look, look, Paul, these songs you're knocking out, pure genius." <laughs> They're, the lyric, they're lyrical genius. They've got a nice beat to them, and they're not terribly sung. Nice sung. beat. You sound like, like such an old man. Like, well, yeah, it's got a good beat, man. Now. Well, that's but, true. Um, how have they not said, look, Paul, is a record deal to be had here? Well, Bengals they... UK, Bengals of the, the 2010s, 20s album. Well, well I, I would... Bengals all... UK. I mean, it's, I, how many... They'd be flying off the shelves, some. Well, all I will say is watch this space. We had, do have one coming up for Gino as well. Um, and that, of course, reminds us about the infamous Jalen Ramsey um, uh, incident, which still, I know, like, you know, you're not supposed to like people fighting, but that was hilarious. That was genuinely <laughs> hilarious, I think. Cause it it would come out of nowhere, wouldn't it? Because you'd always say AJ is such a sort of like genuinely decent sort of stand-up guy, sort of yeah. guy that wouldn't say boo to a goose, really, just very professional, gets on with it. But Jalen Rands is such a little chippy fucker, isn't he? And I yeah, feel like yeah. Green just got, like, had enough of him. And it was just an absolute, absolute barnstorming fight, wasn't it? Just like full-on punches. That's right, Randy he had him in a headlock back, and just like, repeatedly headlock. biff, biff, buff, biff. They've not played since, have they? Which is a travesty, really. No, that's right. But Arizona, yeah. do Arizona play where he's, he's over at the... Uh, he's at the Rams now, isn't he? At the Rams, isn't he? So I'm so, they, they'll probably play each other at some point, wouldn't they? I'd mm. pay to watch it. That That's one to watch out for next, uh, next year, I think. Okay, let's bring Jeff in, shall we? 
Well, Jeff, uh, it's uh, it's jolly nice to see and hear you again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for coming on. When I think of Sir Paul, <laughs> I don't think of McCatney. I think of you. Uh, well, I don't know what to say uh, apart from uh, maybe Hey Jude and Hey Jeff from now on, I think. But, um, I, you know, we've been paying tribute to AJ today and to a lesser extent Gino until we sort of figure everything out with Gino, I guess. Um, but AJ, I, I kind of described him as, as immaculate, yeah. you know, in everything that he did. He wasn't... Yeah. He wasn't like he didn't have like searing speed. He didn't have, you know, he, he did everything well without being like I don't know. I find it diff- found it quite difficult to kind of describe him as yeah. a player. I just thought he was immaculate as an athlete, immaculate as a guy. I wouldn't be too far away from that, would I? I think you're. Uh, I think you're exactly right. I I I I never got the sense that he was. Uh... You know, you know how some guys are grinders, you know, I mean, he just everything seemed to be so easy for him. I mean, he could just go he could just glide through, a, you know, uh, that uh, game in Pittsburgh in 2015. I know in 2012 there that uh, next to last game of the year. And that was, uh, you know, I think he had 116 yards or something against the NFL's top ranked defense. And he was it looked like he was gliding through through that thing when you know it, when you know it was a brutal brutish game you know mm-hmm. uh, I, to me I try to describe it as and this is a guy that would uh, he he erased geometry I mean there was there never seemed to be a spot that he couldn't make a catch or a sideline that he couldn't negotiate you know I mean it was uh, he just had a I agree Paul that's a good word I think immaculate is a good word because it does describe him off the field too mm. Uh, you, I mean, you saw every game of him. You talked to him in the locker room. Um, you saw him on the training field. You you saw him up close and personal. What what are the things that fans don't know about him that you do? What what are the you know what's an insider's view of AJ Green? I mean, I think he's uh, got great respect amongst peers. I mean, these guys. Um, you know, when he came in, he was automatically just because of his great talent but then when they saw what kind of guy he was i mean that you know we talk about him the public sees a modest humble guy that's really a modest humble guy i remember i went to uh i think right before he got married uh i went i spent uh maybe right after he got married it wasn't long after he got engaged to miranda and um spent some time at their place and it was just you know he was uh didn't like to go out. Didn't like to go out to eat. You know, he liked to. He preferred to uh, uh, get the get the food and go and come back and eat at the apartment. He didn't. Uh, um, you know, he he didn't. Uh, he he. You know, a great night for him was uh, watching uh, watching like Animal Planet or uh, watching the Environmental <laughs> or something. You know. Uh, he was just not big into drama, just not big into the lights. And that was, that was, uh, that was real. Uh, you know, he came from a, uh, you know, he was the only child of a, uh, of a family down in South Carolina, hardworking folks and, uh, lived out in the country. And, um, you know, there was just nothing complicated about the guy. Uh, what you see is what you, what you, what you saw is what you got, you know? And I think in this day and age, that was, uh, that became, you know, that used to be the norm, 
you don't see that very often now. You know, he was a guy that wasn't, uh, and he did. He had his. Uh, it's it's funny when I, you know, when I talked to him, he uh, thanked him. He he thanked me. You know, for what uh, uh, I I I did uh, with him, and I said, well, I, I have to thank you. You know, but he was, and which I kind of I think gives you an insight into him that, um, you know, he said I he said you know you always. Uh, I think he knew there were times that. Uh, that great, you know, you're talking about him being immaculate. There were times with body language or something that happened in the game that didn't happen. And uh, he really regretted all those moments, you know, and uh, because it was, I guess it was so unlike him. But, uh, you know, just a very, uh, very genuine guy, you know. Uh, I think that's the word that strikes me as genuine, you know. And uh, Let's, you know, what we see, what we see out there today is far from it. So it's mm. nice to be able to have an up close view of it for a decade. Did you ever take him for granted as a person and as a player? I mean, I think it would be easy to because he's so consistent. So, you know, just makes its extraordinary catches on the field. So humble off it. Did you ever take him for granted? Yeah, I, I sure. I think we all do. Unfortunately, uh, that's, that's part of being a human being. I think is, uh, you know, you get us, you know, the best of us have the ability to see the big picture and step step back and enjoy every day. But I mean, that's a battle, and mm. uh, just to get through the day. But uh, you know, I, I think the media is taking him. I think the national media for sure is taking him for granted. I know uh, a guy I have high regard for uh, had uh, summed up in the last couple of years calling him uh, when he he wasn't great, but he was indifferent. He thought and he needed to be fired up. You know, he thought he needed to have a fire lit under him. Well, I I, uh, I respect that point of view, but I don't. I think it's from somebody who's been far away. Mm. You know, uh, the last few years when I think when I think of injury, uh, and you know this, Paul, because you watch every game, you see it. You know, just as recently as 2018, the guy was on pace to have one of his best seasons ever. He had the three touchdowns in 17 minutes against Baltimore. Uh, he made the great diving touchdown catch in Atlanta to win the game in the last 13 seconds. The last drive that he was healthy in 2018, two huge catches to get a last play field goal against Tampa. The last one diving catch to set up uh, to, to set up Bullock, and uh, that's the one where he hurt the toe. Mm. And I so I, I I think the people outward don't see that. You know, they didn't. They just looked at 2018 and say the Bengals were lousy. So AJ must have been lousy too. He wasn't. He was. He got hurt and he was having a great year. And yeah, uh, I agree. You no, know, that was the year. I mean, as we all know, they they were ten seconds away from going five and one, and uh, uh, they did not. And uh, when AJ got hurt, they were actually five and three. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, his injury was was a big reason why. So when you when you spoke to him, and I do urge uh, listeners to go on to Bengals.com and read uh, Jeff's piece. Uh, about AJ and uh, and you actually spoke to him. Was there was there a sense of inevitability, sadness, or kind of he must have been excited as well at, this, at the new opportunity for him? But was there a level of genuine sadness about leaving Cincinnati? I think when he talked about Mike Brown, mm. he sense that. Uh, I think he felt like Mike didn't want him to go, you know. And I think uh, AJ really appreciated that. Mm. And I think I think they had both hoped. In a in a in a perfect world, in an immaculate world, mm. uh, he would have his last game. He would have played every game 
mm. in Cincinnati. I mean, I think that was, uh, uh, I think both guys, I think, uh, I think, you know, that's where I sense the sadness there, but he's also, he was all, and he was very, you know, like I said, he was very, he was very gracious. And he's also, like you said, he was excited. I mean, to, to have, to have Dondre Hopkins uh, on the other side of him and Kyla Murray throwing to him, uh, you know, he's, he, and being in a system that mm. probably more mirrored what he played in and, uh, in his first stretch here in Cincinnati, I, you know, he's, you, 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 you could tell he wants to show people that he's not done. And, uh, mm. I always tell him when I talk to him, I said, I, he's a, you know, I think your first seven years are Hall of Fame worthy. And I would vote for you for the Hall of Fame just off those seven years. And I do have a vote. I'm a Cincinnati voter. But other voters are going to want, want something more. And he knows that. They're, mm. they're going to want, uh, they're going to want another uh, a thousand years and uh, another thousand yards and maybe two. And so we'll see. We'll see if he can do that. I think uh, there's a lot of things driving AJ. He wants to get to the big game. He wants those numbers. And uh, he wants to, uh, you know, uh, continue to be a role model for his, for his two kids. So uh, there's a lot driving the guy. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the Arizona GM said uh, they feel like he's got a lot in the tank and we'll see if he fight. Well, Jeff, um, you, are, you are standing in front of the Hall of Fame committee right now mm-hmm. in your mind's eye. And AJ just made it through into the kind of semi-finalist right. spot, so you get your chance to to bang the drum for him. How? What are you saying about AJ to that committee right now to try and persuade them to get to get him into the hall? I would say that uh, he did in the first seven years what no wide receiver has done uh, in the last fifty years since the merger, and that's go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, when, when uh, you know, if you look at his numbers, if you compare them to uh, guys of his era, you know, he's he's right there. Uh, and I think, you know, you look at a guy like Megatron who goes in after nine years, you know, I mean, I don't think, I think we're, we're, we're it's a, uh, it's a league right now where if you are, you know, doesn't hurt you, a, a, a short career doesn't hurt you as much as it used to, mm, mm. you know? So uh, I think, uh, and he's not going to have a short career. He may have an easy little career at the end, but uh, you know, my, the thing I would pound it on would be the number, you know, his numbers early in his career, which are, and I'd have to look them up, but they're comparable to the guys who are going to be going into the hall. Mm, and, mm. Um, and also the fact of what he meant to his, to his team, which was, you know, this will be hard for voters in other cities, and nationally to get their arms around, but he was, to me, he was the, uh, he, he, he changed the position. He and Larry Fitzgerald helped change the position of receiver. You, you still get divas, you know, mm-hmm. you still get divas and the, and the guys who are, uh, um, you know, who are, uh, you know, the, the, the Chad Johnson, the TOs, you know, you, the histrionics, the kind of, you know, right. He kind of, he and Larry kind of changed it, you know, and now it's, uh, you know, now you guys get guys like Hopkins and, uh, you know, guys who are grinding away to, you know, with a different, with a different style, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think uh, also too, what he meant to the franchise too, mm-hmm. which is a hard thing for, you know, folks out of town, you know, but he, he, he set the tone and I wrote about this was, 
when your superstar has an attitude like he does, how can it, how can anybody else not have the same attitude? Mm-hmm. And if you remember in 2011 when he got drafted, there was a very turbulent time in Bengals and Carson Palmer was holding out, and Chad Johnson had he was almost he had had a, he was a brilliant run, but it was exhausting because there was a lot of drama around him. And AJ changed that. It was it was AJ the Green Dalton Bengals were the complete opposite of uh, because I remember everybody would always say, well, what if you know the Bengals are so talented but they can't seem to you know stay out of the headlines? Well, you know, AJ and Dalton stayed out of the headlines, yeah. and you know, most successful run in franchise, most successful run in franchise history, and uh, with five straight playoffs, they didn't win one. Mm. I understand that, but they also did what no what what this franchise had never done before. That would be part of the argument too. Ho- hopefully, I would. This hopefully, it would be a lot more. Uh, um, it would be a lot uh, more concise than what I'm rambling on right now. <laughs> but uh, it would be. Well, you, use this as a practice, mate. Don't yeah, worry about that's that. Right. The first first seven years, I'd point at comparable numbers and also what he meant to the franchise too. Uh, we'll wrap this up now, Jeff. Thank you so much. But uh, just finally, what are your favourite on-field moments from AJ? Is there a particular? I mean, you can name, you know, countless incredible go up and catch them uh, balls. You can toe tapping down the sideline, incredible. Uh, obviously, we got to see him in London. He had a great game against the then Redskins in London. Um, yes, that's right. Um, you know, obviously Jay, the Jalen Ramsey incident, well, probably you don't want to promote that, but lots of fans love that, you know. Um, and also the Hail Marys, you know, against Cleveland, yeah. the, the, the one against Baltimore. And are there, is there any, are there any particular ones that stand out for you? You just set them off. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, you know, but I, the one I get people forget cause they lost, but when he caught the ball from McCarron to put him up, uh, to put him up in the wild card game. We all know what we were feeling. I mean, we were all crying, you mm. know, so that might've been his biggest catch, but you never hear about, it. Mm. you know, I like, what, I like what Andrew Hawkins said about his, uh, I wasn't able to use it, but about that hail Mary against Cleveland at halftime. And uh, Hugh Jackson was the head coach of the Browns who had been, you know, who had been AJ's offensive coordinator the previous two seasons and had been in, around Cincinnati for several years before that. So he went into the, he went into the locker room and he goes, uh, and he told, uh, he told them, Hey, uh, nothing you can do about it. Don't worry about it. He just went up through four guys and caught a ball. He goes, I see him do that to a lot of guys. Don't worry about it. I thought, you know, how many times does that happen where a coach, where you give up a Hail Mary and the coach, uh, and the coach tells the guy not to worry about it. There's nothing the guy could do. And Hugh was he was probably the least surprised guy in the building. Mm, absolutely. Well, Jeff, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to us about AJ. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Paul, great, uh, great to uh, be on with you as always. The best to you and everybody over there, and uh, stay safe. There you go. Always a pleasure to speak to uh, favoritebengals.com senior writer. And uh, Jeff wants <laughs> again to the other Bengals.com senior right. writer. But Jeff is genuinely great. And of course, because he's a Hall of Fame voter or he's on the committee, it's it's quite he had some interesting uh, perspective there on on AJ and Gino. And um, yeah. 
So let's keep our fingers crossed. Right, let's get to our correspondence. You can get us, uh, as you already know, but I'll uh, repeat it, at 2 underscore UK on uh, Twitter, uh, at uh, Bengals UK on Facebook, and now, ladies and gentlemen, on Instagram. Oh, yes, we move with the times. Uh, we're at Bengals underscore UK. So come and follow us on Instagram for some more social media nonsense. Um but let's get to our correspondences. Um, at I do working at Brothers Comics says uh, we've never had him before. Welcome along. Um, that's outrageous. I, I don't think it's a solid handle, but it's an outrageous handle. That's right. That's right. I've got. To, you've got to like it. Gino planting Carson. Of course, I asked for people's favourite memories uh, of both Gino and AJ. Gino planting Carson Palmer on Raiders' first play from scrimmage when he came back for the first time Cincinnati. I think that is that will go down. It's up there, isn't it, with Von Bell absolutely levelling Juju last year, and uh, I think uh, uh, it's uh, I think it's worthy of inclusion of the top Bengals plays of the past twenty years. Actually, um, that was a ferocious atmosphere that day as oh, well yeah. at Paul Brown Stadium. Oh, and I watched yeah. that clip back, and you got all the, like the big CBS music in the background blaring away, like do 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 do, and you could just hear the sound of that crowd. Like you think we're so used to all these bullshit small little crowds or no crowds because of COVID, and you think back to a packed, ferocious Paul Brown Stadium, mm. sixty-five thousand fans, absolutely ready to go. I know. Up. They're baying for blood. Like it was almost double... like a Roman Colosseum, wasn't it? Um, it was, yeah. And you think, I think it was first play of the game, wasn't it? Absolutely mm. dumped the geese. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Um, AJ Green was like a velociraptor mated with a military helicopter. Amazing stuff. <laughs> Gino was the strongest man that ever lived. I think that might be the best description of AJ Green I've ever heard. Uh, I agree. Uh, Velociraptor mated with a military, uh, <laughs> with a military helicopter. I know exactly what he's mean. He was fearsome, but he was also smooth. He's smoothly fearsome, was AJ. I think. Um, Jamie goes on to ask. My question is: Would you be open to drafting a mid-round backup QB, uh, one of your Mons or Trasks? Of course, uh, the Bengals let Ryan Finley go, or at least traded him to the Texans, which was a bit of a surprise. But um, Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, there's so much happening this last week. We could have done two or three podcasts, I uh, think, couldn't we? Thank you, lucky stars, that we haven't. But um, <laughs> there would have been more tribute songs as well, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe late round. I, d- I don't know. I think he's got, but I don't think Kyle Trask's going to be there past round. I mean, you'd be lucky probably to get him in round three, but... I do think it's a good point because obviously Brandon Allen played. I think Brandon Allen's a bit funny. He played all right, one, one or two games. He was fantastic. And then others, he looked really uninspiring. And I do think that the Bengals have quite liked having like three guys in the last couple of years sort of competing for the two, three spot. And I, I do think they will be tempted to take a quarterback in the later rounds, maybe round six or seven. So I do think it's a good point. I think someone like Trask's probably going to be out of reach, but yeah, it's certainly worth, um, certainly worth considering. Uh, Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore. He's got that rogue underscore at the end of his name. AJ and Gino highlight the glory times of the 2010s. I will be following them for the rest of their careers and hope they find a way to end up in the Hall of Fame. P.S. A few more bodies on the O-line would be lovely. Hear, hear, Simon. Go on, Simon. Peter Dadswell at Dadders. 
In addition to their play on the field, what I liked most about AJ and Gina was their quiet, understated persona. None of this brashness from attention whores that get so tiresome. Turn up for work, excel and go home the way it should be. I like to think we do that, uh, Nathan. We turn up for work, we <laughs> excel and then we go home. Um, but yeah, he's right. Pete's right. Absolutely right. I think, it, you know, what endeared them to, you know, if you compare, for instance, AJ to Antonio Brown, two divisional rivals, you couldn't get two more different kinds of personalities. And I would take AJ every day of the week, uh, just got on with his job, was brilliant at it. Same with Gino, got on with his job, didn't, you know, hated talking yeah. to the media and just got on with it. And, uh, I think there's always balances in there with that character stuff. So I think it's fantastic. You see players like TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson, incredible characters and different there in a different way. And that that's sometimes what makes the sport so enjoyable, having those characters. But I think when it becomes a bit of a mess, like, I mean, that stuff with Carl, uh, Carlos Dunlap last season was an absolute joke. And I even think the stuff with Darius Phillips, I know a lot of it might not be relevant to the game, but the, 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 the gift that he's posting out yesterday you know, about the sort of walking out thing of when the, the signings have been announced at the cornerback position. It's just childish and it's a bit silly. And I think we, that's the one thing with AJ and Gino is, as they said, they, they're professionals and did a good job. They didn't need to be, they never, you know, the Bengals were, especially in the last couple of years, have been a fairly poor team. And I don't think, you know, certainly from Gino's perspective, he's just handled it with complete professionalism. Um, and that is absolutely what you want. Okay, uh, we've got... An... Why have you ch this is probably his real name, but I can't say. It's at Malloy underscore double zero, who's, you know, it's Killian, basically. But he's put in his Irish surname, and it's one of those fantastic Gaelic names that I just don't know how to pronounce. Go on, son, you've got to have a go for Killian's sake. Uh, oh, Malmhude. No, that can't... <laughs> That can't be it must right. be it. That sounds perfect. I'm really sorry, Killian. Um, I, Gaelic is not my, you know... Number one language, I love it, but I, I can't read it for Toffee, really. Anyway, Killian says, Not sure if many will remember this AJ catch, but it was in the Wembley game of 2016. It was a deep ball from Dalton and AJ beat the corner and ended up being a first and goal, I think. That stuck with me because I was sat in that corner and to see that play so close was amazing. He had a great game, Killian, didn't he, yeah. in that uh, game against... Uh, and, of course, who was guarding him? It was Josh Norman, I think, who was yeah. absolutely giving him, you know, was talking him up and being chippy. AJ just destroyed him that day. And it was a great catch. I'm just looking at it now. Great catch. Nicely, beautiful throwing ball from Dalton, actually. And... Um, I've got so much nostalgia tonight, son. I just want to get the old team back, get Marvin back, get, get the Andy band Dawn back, back yeah, get yeah. Green back, Gino, Carlos Dunlap, Whitworth, get them all back, load them back up, and we'll make a playoff run again. Liam at LPD4991. When I went to Wembley to watch the Bengals versus the Redskins, that AJ catch when Josh Norman was all over him was something else, as we've just been talking about. As for Gino, that sack on Deshaun Watson will never be forgotten. Let's not mention Watson rushing for a 60-yard touchdown a couple of plays later. You're right, apart from that uh, Carson Palmer sack, um, that he absolutely levelled to Sean Watson as well. It just like burst through the line and biff, uh, just knocked him flat on his ass. It was, it was really uh, something else. And um, 
you know, plays and players we we shan't forget really. So uh, thank you to AJ. We'll go a bit more in depth into Gino, uh, perhaps next week when we know more. Uh, but it's time to say goodbye. Thank you very much for Jeff Hobson yet again. I think he's the the um, the US guest who's been on the most on this podcast. So we can't thank Jeff enough for his his support and his uh, ability to say yes to everything. And I mean, he's everything. more as a host of this podcast. He's been on it so much. That's right. That's right. He does say yes to everything. And um, yeah, so thanks to Jeff. Really great. And uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week. And then the week after our draft coverage will begin, uh, we kick off with a, uh, a the Bengals UK draft panel, a round, bit of a round table chat for guys uh, hashing it out. And, and we're going to find out. Uh, who are the guys they're looking forward to to seeing in the draft and who we might draft. And um, then we'll have Joe Goodbury and then we'll also have Dave Lapham as well. And then it'll be the draft and then it'll be the off-season and then uh, God knows what's going to happen. However, we will be back next week. Um, so until then, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. God save our AJ Green, long live our AJ Green, God save the Green. Sent him victorious, catching the ball for us, long may he play for us, God save the And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.